Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. That's right. We are the Fancy Joes, and we've got breaking news coming over the wire. Apparently, Hunter Henry is out for the year, guys. Trey, does that crush the hopes and dreams of any of your dynasty teams? Well, it, you know, it doesn't crush anything. I mean, it is May the 22nd. <laughs> There's plenty of time to uh, regroup. I'm not making any rash decisions. Uh, one particular team, I consider myself a contender. I lost Hunter Henry, but uh, it, it actually makes me sad for Phillip Rivers more than anything. I was I was I was really looking at Philip Rivers being a a beast this year, like he is every year. So I'm sad for Hunter Henry too. Yeah, well, he, he Philip Rivers still could be a beast, right? Well, he's got some weapons. Yeah, I mean Tyrell Williams is just fit right in there. You don't need a blocking tight end in that team. Like he just, I mean, they they have so many weapons in the receiving game, and Justin Jackson will crush it. You know, maybe they can make a trade with the Baltimore Ravens because the Ravens have a a surplus of tight ends <laughs> that they drafted. So that's, that was the Baltimore Ravens strategy, right? To take as many tight ends as they could so they could trade whenever tight ends started going down. I think is Hayden Hurst younger or older than Hunter Henry? <laughs> oh, he's older, older, There's older. No for sure. There's no doubt. Easily. I don't have the numbers, but that's easily true. Will, you wanted to introduce a segment to tonight's show. So why don't you introduce the segment? Uh, so we're do the fancy Joe's pros. These are our guys who we are, we've taken a look at, uh, guys we are higher on now that we either believe are being underdrafted or undervalued, and maybe a little bit of a, you know, whatever, whatever kind of a phrase you want to give them with his, like, flag plants, you know, players you really believe in and that you're trying to pick up everywhere you can, and, you know, just our suggestions and things you need to look into for what we're doing for rookie drafts and startup drafts or players you go try to acquire from other teams, everything like that. So we're doing the Fantasy Joe's Pros. And the best part about this segment, we did not write a song for it. So you're welcome. <laughs> I mean, I did, but the feedback was poor from last week. So yeah, you, heard no. my Kamara, you heard my Kamara song that I posted on our boxer. No, I, I, I'll, do it, I'll do it at the I, end. I decided not to play it, to be honest with you. Okay. Like <laughs> 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 All right. No, I'm just, I actually missed it. Well, I, 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 I need to go back and listen to it. I'm sorry that I missed it. Will, do you want to go first? I would love to. And my, my fantasy Joe pro, first of all, is it's going to be Traquan Smith from the New Orleans Saints. And it's something that I, is, you know, I've done a couple of rookie drafts and I've seen where he's gone. And I've, looking more into it and kind of doing, like diving in deeper, you know, we're the Joes. We do as much as we can, but the more and more I look into him, the more and more I want Traquan Smith on every single one of my teams. So I want to start here. He's six foot two, 210 pounds. He ran a four four nine forty. Although, I mean, I, I don't really like I'm carrying less and less about the like 40 times uh, with that goes, because even if you look at like the NBA where athleticism, I think matters quite a bit more, you never hear anything about the NBA combine and what they do. But anyway, he, he, he it's, it's important for him to check the box and he checked that box. Uh, that that was important, and he's also he was the Saints' second pick of the draft this year because they traded their second round pick last year for Kamara. So the Saints' overall second pick was Traquan Smith, and so a quote I wanted to quote from uh, Number Fires Aiden McGrath. Uh, lastly, he has yet another means of getting uh, on the field: blocking, 
the Saints ran him through multiple blocking drills in their visits with it, with Smith. And one scout noted that Smith may be the best blocker in the wide receiver class. It may not yield fancy points, but superior blocking skills should lead to playing time for the young receiver. For me, being on the field in the Saints offense is all you need. Like, uh, it, 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 it's not complicated for that team and, and what they have. You just need to get on the field, and that's a big part of it. And with uh, – with, with Ingram being gone. and But anyway, like long story short, he's going to be a good pro coming out. Another big part of it that I don't think people have realized is he came out as a junior from college. And so he came out a year early. He could have stayed another year. And that's a big thing when you think about players that believe in themselves and what they're doing. Uh, they also, the Saints have a decent history with skill position players. So I looked it up. In the Drew Brees era, looking back, so he came to the team in 2006. In 2006, the Saints drafted Marquise Colson, a seventh rounder, rookie year. He went for 70 catches, 1,038 uh, yards, and eight touchdowns. In 2007, they took Robert Meacham, 27th overall. That's pretty terrible. Uh, he had to have knee surgery. He missed his rookie year. His whole career was, 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 was not great. Uh, in 2008, they took, <laughs> their only wide receiver they took was Adrian Arrington. Uh, he did nothing. And then from there, they didn't draft a receiver until 2012, which took Nick Toon from Wisconsin, and oof, that, that, went, that went real bad. <laughs> uh, but then in, in 2013, so ramping this back up, so that was Kenny Stills' rookie year. So rookie year, he had 32 catches for 641 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, sophomore year, 63 catches for 931 touchdowns, and then he was off to Miami after that. Or sorry, for 931 yards and three touchdowns, and then was off to Miami. Uh, and then you have the 2014, Brandon Cooks was the rookie, who only played 10 games with Drew Brees. And had a, like for 10 games, had a pretty monster season. And I don't want to quote all the stats, but then going to Michael Thomas for a second rounder last year. And we all know Michael Thomas is he's broken records as a rookie and sophomore. And so my thing is one, he was the second player drafted by the Saints when they didn't have a lot of draft capital this year. And they, they, you know, they traded up and did what they did earlier. But uh, Trey Quan Smith has a massive opportunity. If you look at that, that wide receiver death chart, uh, you have Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, Kevin Meredith. Traquan Smith, uh, Austin Carr, and just kind of a bunch of guys at the back end of that. And he has every opportunity to succeed early on as a rookie in the NFL. And what more do you want from a, a rookie wide receiver more than somebody guy who maxes, maximizes their value, can give you points for your fantasy team as a starter, as a rookie, and at worst, at the end of the year, maybe you can trade him off for, for a better asset. And I, like, looking at his metrics and everything like that, I'm really high on Traquan Smith. And I think he's he's moving up to basically my like my wide receiver five Ooh. in the rookie class, maybe wide receiver four. Like I, I think where he's going and, and the opportunity that's there, uh, and the more research I do into it, the more and more I fall in love with Traquan Smith. So you have a guy where Trey, where where did Traquan Smith go to school? Traquan Smith went to UCF, the national champions. And, and the UCF is that is that a power five school, gentlemen? Uh, it's not. I remember – the reason I bring this up, Will, I remember last offseason there was a certain prospect that came out, um, certain Corey Davis, who you know, I was really high on and the jury's still on, on that. But your big problem with Corey Davis was that he did not go to a Power 5 school, that he faced inferior competition year in and year out. But here you're high on a guy, but maybe a top four or five wide receiver, Traquan Smith, that went to a non-Power 5 school. So what's changed in a year, your philosophy on these uh, non-Power 5 school guys? Well, so one, Traquan Smith didn't stay for his senior year just to compile stats against inferior opponents. opponents. And he did – he had some weak games. I looked, like he, had some poor, he had a poor game against Michigan uh, his sophomore year. 
and things like that. But the fact that he came out early with a year left of eligibility on that team, and he was playing with the, the UCF quarterback who is uh, going to be a pro prospect next year, which I think is important, more and more important to me with wide receivers that are coming out, is that they, they have played with some good talent at quarterbacks so they understand how to run routes where the ball is going to be. And so he's, he's learned and learned. Uh, and then the, uh, on top of everything with what he's done in college, the landing spot, he went to the Saints. Like, if, if, Traquan, Swit, if Traquan Smith uh, went to the Titans, I wouldn't care. No, I just I just had to bring that up and give give you a little hard time there. Yeah, no, I th- I think you make a really compelling argument for Trey Quan Smith. Uh, that that's some good stuff. Trey, what what do you think? I think you're a pretty uh pr- pretty big fan of Trey Quan Smith as well. Yeah, he he's a guy that I remember even going all the way back to when we talked about the Senior Bowl, which is so funny because it seems like an eternity ago with all of the uh, action that we've had in the last couple months in the uh, NFL world with the draft and whatnot, but. He's a guy that performed fairly well. Uh, I think he had a touchdown catch in that game and like, you know, almost 80 yards receiving. The thing that I like most, you know, we talk about the uh, rookies coming in and we do talk about situation. And I think that going to the Saints, who, as far as I'm concerned, Alvin Kamara is their number two pass catcher prior to the NFL draft. And with Traquan Smith coming in, I think that he's – almost a lock to be their number two target in that offense. And, and uh, it's an offense that historically, I mean, I, I look back and I think there's been three times in the last six years where Drew Brees has divvied out over a hundred targets to three different players. So it's an offense where the ball gets spread around. So I think that it's very realistic for Traquan Smith to get 90 to a hundred targets, maybe even over a hundred targets this year. And so I, I love the take of the early opportunity. It would not surprise me at all if Traquan Smith led all NFL rookies uh, at the wide receiver position in targets, catches, and yards this year. So especially considering the attention the defenses are going to have to pay to Michael Thomas and to that backfield of, of Alvin Kamara. And then Drew Brees is just so precise in passing the ball. So I, I like it. I think that that Saints offense is one of the best passing offenses in the league as far as a, a, a rookie to come in and be able to have immediate success. And on top of that, I looked it up as well. And I, I mean, Traquan Smith is a f- 14th round startup pick right now. So, you know, to be able to get the guy, a kind of guy that can not only have long-term dynasty value, but potential year one impact in, a f- in the 14th round. I mean, that's incredible. He's going like 20 or something picks after uh, Marshawn Lynch. He's going, I think, almost 30 picks after Jordy Nelson. I mean, I think that the upside there and, and the opportunity for early production, too, is impossible to pass up at that point. I, I like to take. I think you look at some things. I guess Drew Brees, he threw – he had 537 attempts last year. Maybe those attempts go up or down. And you think about that, and those targets have to go to somebody. And you're right, they don't have a lot of options. But I will just say – that you know cam meredith um is certainly if, if he can recover from his injury and maybe the bears knew something that the saints don't he could be in line for that you know number two or three target guy and ben watson guys i know ben watson is is certainly older than calvin ridley but he is there in new orleans and no one's talking about him i i i think he could be this sneaky tight end you might want to pick up so if you lost hunter henry See if Ben Watson's out there available and you see if you can get him cheap. I mean, you probably can get him from nothing because he's maybe got one or two years left. Um, 
but no, that's interesting. I'm, I've been a little um, less uh, interested in Traquan Smith than, than you guys, but you definitely gave me some food for thought with the, that that uh, that knowledge that you dropped. So. Well, the, nice. yeah, their, their their skill position picks have been pretty incredible. They don't take a lot of skill position players, and I think we forget that on the Saints. Like with Stills being in the fifth round, and then Brandon Cooks. I mean, he was the first rounder, Michael Thomas the second, but uh, they use their second pick in this year's draft on him, and they use that same basically the same area of pick last year on Alvin Kamara, and it's just going to be a high powered offense, and they just don't have a lot of like uh, Cameron Meredith. Actually, I really love Cameron Meredith. But the, you're talking about Saints offense that supported three wide receivers before that with Willie Sneed, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Thomas. So it's, it's, it can totally happen again with Mark Ingram out. Because uh, Kamara, they're, they're talking about giving like 15 carries a game, which is like doubling his carries a game after last year. And uh, this is just, an, uh, to me, I feel like he's being criminally undervalued in rookie drafts. And I didn't take him in, in one league, and I got him another. And I traded up to get that pick. And I, I think I actually, I think I would take him over like a James Washington to me. And we talked, we talked about in our group chat between, between him and Dante Pettis uh, at this moment right now, I'd take Trey Quan Smith over Dante Pettis. Yeah. I'm just looking to see where Saints wide receivers ranked in PPR last year, <clears throat> according to FF today. So you've got Michael Thomas at number six. Uh, you have Ted Ginn jr. At 34. And then you have to go all the way down to number 80 to find Brandon Coleman. So, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what the Saints offense looks like this year, how it evolves, how they use him. De- but definitely, I think – Two years ago, though? No, I haven't looked at two years ago. And, and certainly you're going to find some, some uh, higher guys there. But I, but I think, as you guys point out, especially the cost. I mean, who cares? If you get him after Marshawn Lynch in your startup draft, if he turns out to be nothing – what have you given up for, for a guy that certainly has a lot of potential and a guy that helped you year one? So I like it. Yeah, he's, he's like late round two, early, like, like late round two rookie pick. And the, the Saints have at least proven it's worth the risk to me. Absolutely. So let's uh, move on, Trey, to your Joe Pro. Did I get that right, Will? <laughs> I, just want, I just want you to be more excited about it. Let's hear your Joe Pro. Let's hear about your Joe Pro. All right. This is a guy. This is a guy that I like an incredible amount. And I know that there's a lot of questions and I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those questions surrounding one carry on Johnson, um, the Detroit lions running back extraordinaire. And uh, I know that a lot of the concern is regarding how much this gentleman's going to be used, but I want to remind you guys, we play dynasty. Okay. Sometimes, as dynasty fantasy football players, we can become a little bit short-sighted and a little bit impatient with these guys. So, uh, however, I do believe that Carryon Johnson has an opportunity to not just have an impact this year, but I think that his potential is easily up there with the top running backs in this rookie class. And the reason for that is that I, I'm going to read you a list of guys. And this list of guys is in the past five years. These are the players that have been taken in the top 50 picks in the NFL draft. Carry on Johnson's one of those. He was taking 43rd overall. Last year, you had Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. 2016, you had Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Derrick Henry. 2015, you had Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, TJ Yeldon. 2014, there were none. In 2013, you had Gio Bernard and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, aside from TJ Yeldon, Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard, you know, we're kind of still waiting on one and, and Gio Bernard's really just kind of turned more 
into a, a, a second, but in a PPR league, he, he has definite value. But you're talking about a high percentage of these guys. And I understand that quite a few of those guys were taken in the top 10 and there's a little bit of a difference there, but I just want you to, to know that he's in good company as far as draft capital. The other thing is in that backfield there in Detroit, Theo Riddick on 2019 is, has less than $1 million in dead cap space. LeGarrette Blunt, who's 31 years old, is only on a one-year deal. So all this concern about Riddick having this design role and LeGarrette Blunt being there, I just want you to know long-term, I don't think that that's an absolute concern for me. I, I just took a look last year and Detroit was noticeably uh, poor in the running game last year. I don't think anyone that is uh, even a remote football fan uh, is surprised by that information. Last year, they attempted 363 rushes. So my thought process is that even if you uh, assign 60% of those rushes to carry on Johnson, it puts them over 210 rushes. If you take their targets in the passing game, they had 105 targets that went to the running back position last year. If you only give 30% of those to carry on Johnson, you're giving him over 30 targets in the passing game. Not only do I think that Carrion Johnson's immensely talented, if you look at his senior year and what he did at Auburn, compiling almost 1,600 total yards and 20 total touchdowns, he did not allow a single sack in pass protection in his college junior season where he was their lead back. Zero sacks allowed. If you watch, not the highlights, but if you watch the game film, you will see him taking on linebackers and safeties and blocking incredibly in blitz pickup and in pass protection. Furthermore, he did not drop a single pass. So I, I know Theo Riddick is there and that Theo Riddick is going to have a role in that Detroit Lions offense. But I also want you to understand that Matt Patricia has come and taken over. I expect them to not just run the ball 363 times. I expect that attempt, those attempts to go up. I think that the formula for winning in Detroit is not going to be to throw the ball 500 times. I think it's going to be to run the ball and play good defense. And I know that theoretic is their third down back, but carry on Johnson is a good pass catcher and a great pass protector. So he does not need to come off the field in third down. He's currently going as the 28th running back off the board in dynasty ADP. That's of may in DLF. And I think for me, he's easy. He easily belongs in the top 15 or 18. These are the running backs going out of carry on Johnson right now which I would unequivocally take Karrion Johnson over. Jay Ajayi, Royce Freeman, Kenyon Drake, Alex Collins, Tevin Coleman, Ronald Jones, and LaShawn McCoy. And I like some of those guys, but I would rather have Car- – I think that Karrion Johnson – the comps to Le'Veon Bell are not irresponsible. He runs incredibly patient. I know that there's been some talk that he's not great at anything, but this is the kind of well-rounded – running back that I think that a team can build their offense around. And with the passing weapons they have in Detroit, I am a really, really excited. You may not see RB1 production this season, but I love carry on Johnson. And for me right there at the end of the sixth round in a dynasty startup PPR, I would love to add Karen Johnson to my roster. Wow. You guys were in the heat tonight. Gosh, I love it. A 20 year, 20 years old, 20 years old, uh, carry on Johnson. 
Uh, Will, what do you what do you think? Oh, I'm, I love every part about it. Kerryon Johnson is going to have the opportunity of a lifetime there in in Detroit, and they trade up to get him. If you want to go narrative, they they gave up picks to go get Kerryon Johnson. Darius Geis was on the board. There was other running backs on the board, and you know it's a it's a it's a. I have to get over my personal SEC bias as a big Big Ten fan because the SEC always thinks they're like crazy good at everything, but Kieran Johnson is an underrated prospect. They went up and got him, and give a new coaching coaching regime coming in, and he's gonna get he's at least gonna get playing time. He's gonna have every opportunity to fail. I trust I don't trust Lagarde Blunt worth anything. Uh, he's thirty one. I don't know if you guys remember this like Twitter pick that came out to have a uh, Dion Lewis making fun of Lagarde Blunt for eating McDonald's. Like Lagarde Blunt doesn't take take good care of himself. He's been a national athlete his whole life. It's thirty one is about the time that runs out. I mean he's a I think Gary Johnson could lead that backfield. I could see him easily rushing for a thousand yards and be that next thousand yard rusher and having like, you know, six, seven touchdowns and having, you know, 35 catches. I could, I could, if that happened, it wouldn't super surprise me. I mean, it's, it's on the top scale of things, but it wouldn't overly shock me if he did that. Yeah, we're all on the same page. Um, I, I like Karen Johnson a lot. I love what Detroit's done with their offensive line. They've invested in their offensive line. It's going to be really good. They're a great offensive team. They're going to move the ball. There's going to be, Touchdown opportunities potentially for Kerryon Johnson. I mean, maybe Legarrette Blunt is a touchdown, you know, thief uh, this year, uh, so to speak. But I think, you know, in the future, he's definitely the answer in Detroit. So I I like that. I like that a lot. All right, guys, I'm going to go here. And I'm kind of cheating because I'm going to pick two guys, although I have a preference. And I'm basically taking uh, Green Bay running backs here. Specifically, I want to talk about Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. And I know that there are a lot of people that like Aaron Jones, right, um, more than Jamal Williams because he's more explosive. He, he's shown the big playability. He, he really flashed last year. And Jamal Williams, you look at him, he didn't really flash so much. He had some, some big games, some big moments. But why I like Jamal Williams, and Jamal Williams, to put it into perspective, if you look at startup ADP, he is going at – oh, man, he's so far down the page. I've already lost him. There he is. He's going at about uh, 110. He's the 39th running back taken. What I like about Jamal Williams is, number one, he plays for the Green Bay Packers. Number two, I think he's going to be their third down back. He is amazing in pass protection, and he's a really good goal line back. He, he's, he's a grinder. He's a guy that's going to get the ball at the goal line. So I think even if Aaron Jones is featured between the 20s, I think Jamal Williams is going to be the guy that's going to get the touchdowns, that's going to get the PPR points. He's the one that's going to protect Aaron Rodgers on third down because he's excellent at pass protection. I really like Jamal Williams, and I think people are kind of sleeping on him because he's kind of the boring one. Aaron Jones is the exciting guy, right? He's the guy that uh, makes the big plays. Uh, he's also the guy that's more risky because he, he's he got this off-field history, right? Um, not only does he have that um, – that marijuana charge against him when he was pulled over. I think he had possession of marijuana, but he has this injury history as well. So I, I think though, where you can get him, he's going a little bit earlier than Jamal Williams. He is the number 33rd uh, startup running back. He, you can get him at uh, ADP position of 86 overall. Why not get them both? Why not grab them both? You've got the green Bay backfield. You can get Ty Montgomery if you want to. He's going after them as well. I, I, I kind of think that Ty Montgomery is going to get moved to wide receiver or kind of get pushed out. I think they've got like they like that one-two punch they have with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. 
So hitting those guys so late, we're talking about the Green Bay offense, guys, the Green Bay offense. You can get guys that are going as a 33rd running back overall and the 39th running back overall. Sign me up. I love it. Yeah, I think that's a great call. And I, I think that the – I've done a couple um, salary cap um, contract startups this year, and in both of them I've been able to lock up – they're both auctions, and I've been able to lock up the uh, duo there of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And I think that's a great play. And I think moving forward when we kind of start looking at redraft season and MFL 10s and that kind of thing, I think being able to go and lock up a backfield like that is a, a great – because if you were to combine those two guys, if if we were to morph those two into one and there were one guy that were going to dominate the touches in the Green Bay backfield, that player would be going significantly, significantly higher. Or in the same breath, if either Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones were to get hurt in the preseason, the other one would skyrocket in value. So I thought, I think I, I like that. I, I do. I like Aaron Jones. I like Jamal Williams. Um, I do think that one of them is going to end up being the the um, predominant ball carrier there in that offense. So I think it's a great a great take there. And you know, there's a lot of times when you have a backfield like that, you're not exactly sure how it's going to break out. That many uh, analysts will advise you to go go for the cheaper option. Right. Um, and the cheapest option here is Ty Montgomery. Um, and I, I, you try to get all three if you can. It, it, here's an interesting set for you, Will. <laughs> leading the Green Bay Packers uh, total yards from scrimmage. Number one, Devontae Adams, 885 yards. Who was number two? I'd have to guess uh, Jamal Williams. I'm going to Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, 818 yards from scrimmage, six touchdowns. So he had a great year. I think people forget about that too. He quietly had this really solid year last year because people, I think, remember Aaron Jones. I know I, I do. I had him on one of my teams. still have him on one of my teams, Aaron Jones. He had this really huge games where he flashed and then, then he got hurt and we didn't really hear from him much the rest of the year. So, well, who do you like the best out of the green Bay backfield? So I think, I think Jamal Williams is the better value and he was also the replacement for Ty Montgomery. When he came in last year, he just got hurt as well. And that's when Aaron Jones flashed quite a bit uh, Two, the green Bay offense was uh, to keep it. Like it's just, it was a mess. It was a huge, huge mess last year. This offense is one offense. You need to take advantage of any dynasty player that isn't investing in this team for the future. This team usually scores like nearly double the points of what they did last year with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and what they can do. So if you look over his eight games last year, if you just extrapolate that like like quickly out, like Jamal Williams could easily be a thousand yard rusher with double digit touchdowns, no problem. Uh, if he wins that job and that's what it is, it's that. And Mike McCarthy loves his grinder. Like Eddie Lacy was that grinder for them, and. He, that's all you want. Like, what more do you want than like an Eddie Lacy, but the person who's uh, like is putting more effort into what he does a little bit quicker, can catch a screen pass, take it to the house. Who cares if there's a little bit of luck in that? He still set up blocks. He still did everything. Like, uh, I'm a really big fan of what Jamal Williams can do. And when Aaron Rodgers comes back, like that's the one thing that's being lost. I feel like in dynasty analysis this year is Aaron Rodgers changes everything. He's going to throw for like 40 touchdowns and yeah, and we're further in the red zone, and he reads the defense and then, uh, you know, changes it to a run play, and it's Jamal Williams. It's not going to be Aaron Jones with the goal. It's going to be Jamal Williams. So, for me, I think Jamal Williams is significantly cheaper than Aaron Jones as far as, like, you know, uh, significantly at their values at where they are. And so I'm trying to snatch up Jamal Williams shares where I can get them. Why not? Grab, grab any of those guys you can. Like, 
Uh, I but the one guy I, I, I guess I'm not paying for is Ty Montgomery. I just don't really trust what he what he's been and and what he did. And so I don't know. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Yeah, grab grab some great offense. You know, Randall Cobb, another one of those guys we talked about. Another sneaky guy to get. That also brings up the one of the sorry one of the fun facts of the the Green Bay Packers that I, that, I, that I shared is the the last three drafts in a row the Green Bay Packers have taken a defensive player with their first pick and, and uh, the last sorry the last seven drafts the Packers have taken a defensive player with their first pick including the thirty third overall pick as a cornerback last year the first two cornerbacks this year so what I want to say is the Packers the Packers defense is going to be better than you think this year because they have a better offense with Aaron Rodgers there. It's going to be a huge turnaround for that team. And so a guy like Jamal Williams who can, who can grind out those, those inside yards is going to be way more important for that team. I'll say this. I, I do think that Aaron Jones is the, the running, uh, all things being equal when we're not talking value. Aaron Jones is still my pick to uh, lead that backfield. He's the guy that I want to own in that backfield. If, if, if um, value isn't taken into consideration. Um, I do like his opportunity. I think that he's got the more explosive and, and I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, opportunities that he'll get because he's going to be in there and they're going no huddle or, or, you know, the offense is just in rhythm. The pass protection obviously is the biggest concern with him and, and that's where Jamal Williams really exceeds. Um, but it's going to be interesting to watch. All right. Yeah, so let's them move both on. up. Yeah. Snatch them both up. Let's move on to guys that we don't want to touch. We have no interest in owning them if we, if we own them. And there's a Roto World, Roto World blurb that they're looking really good in practice. That means something. We want to sell them immediately. Will, who's that guy for you? Who are those guys for you? <laughs> well, so the player that I'm going to have no part of, it's going to be Equinemius St. Proud, uh, ESB. I just feel like the, the, mar- the market in the NFL draft told you what you need to know about him. Uh, I'd also like to remind everybody that the Packers took a kicker and more specifically, a punter before they even considered ESB, uh, as they even took another wide receiver, Marquez Valdez Scantling, before him. Six round draft capital. They kind of did this last year and teased with like Malachi Dupree and, and what's his name. And on a team, you, you want the Packers wide receivers are so sexy. You want Aaron Rodgers as wide receivers. There's so much opportunity. But if, if you can't adapt to what he is like, Aaron Rodgers is getting old, and he has no patience for these, these receivers that are going to take time to develop. And, again, I just want to harpen back to uh, the, the ESB draft capital that he has in him. And the, the Packers just were like, eh, six-round pick, whatever. That's, that's kind of the way I feel like they drafted him. And so with our last podcast in mind, my, my big thing is I'd rather have Antonio Callaway over ESB every day of the week. Yeah, and you know what's crazy? I co-signed completely, by the way, on the take, 100% right there with you. I found this very interesting considering that one of these guys was your, you know, Joe's pro, and one of these was your, you know, I'm not touching. These two in May, DLF ADP are literally back-to-back, separated by a third of a point in ADP. Traquan Smith, 166 overall. Equinemia St. Brown, 167 overall, which I think is a huge, huge uh, indictment on – people that are participating in these drafts because for Traquan Smith and ESB to be side by side is just asinine. Yeah. I, I, I second, I, I mean, third, I guess not because I'm the third guy to go. Yeah. It, it doesn't make <laughs> any sense. It's just, and I think some of this is like, I'll call it the Debbie effect, right? That, you know, this was, he was a really highly regarded Debbie prospect, you know, even, even a year ago at this time. And, 
you know that that you you hear um, you know people that are into Debbie really talk somebody up, and then it comes draft time, and they they just they just fall, and you're like, well, no, that guy I've been I've been you know I've got him on my Debbie team, I've heard about him for so long, I I don't want to let him go. Sometimes you just have to let people go. I, I mean, you know, in Debbie leagues, you know, guys that are are you know, top 20 guys, you know, one year or off the radar the next, right? So I think that may, maybe has a little bit to do with the Debbie effect and the fact he went to Notre Dame and a high profile guy and people, people know who he is. Interesting personality. So, so Trey, who is your uh, guy you don't want to touch this year? Well, there's two of them. And, and uh, I've, I've, I've talked about one of these guys before and it, it's, it's really kind of the type of player. So I want you to imagine with me based on DLF ADP from the month of May, uh, which I've referenced a couple times now. I want you to imagine that you're picking second overall, okay? So OBJ goes number one, being full PPR, you take DeAndre Hopkins at number two. You really buy into the young wide receiver theory and decide to pass on the running back. So it comes back around to you. You're on the clock now at the 211. And there's two guys here that are literally, I feel like clones of each other in a lot of ways that are going at your next two picks, the 211 and the 302, 23rd and 26th overall in DLF ADP, Tyreek Hill and Brandon Cooks. And for very similar reasons, I am not interested at that cost, at late second, early third ADP cost, I have no interest in having these two guys on my team. Both of these guys last year in 2017 scored either 40% or just under 40% of their fantasy points in three games, right? There's 16 games in the NFL season and they scored almost 40% of their points in three of them. And I get it that those could be weak winning performances. The problem is the player that I'm taking as the second and or the third player that I'm adding to my roster, I would like to be able to rely on for more than just three big, big weeks. And I know that there's not a lot of concern from, from, from the streets coming in on Sammy Watkins going to Kansas city. But I just want to remind everyone, first of all, that I am the uh, vice president elect of the Sammy Watkins fan club. And so his name will not be besmirched on this podcast. (laughs) Kansas city paid him $16 million. You have to I, I forget who I was I, it might have been um shoot I wish I could give credit I was listening to a podcast it was the audible podcast and I they mentioned that you do two things follow draft capital and follow the money in the NFL and for Kansas City to pay Sammy Watkins 16 million dollars is not insignificant so everybody that thinks that Tyreek Hill is going to continue to get the same targets and score the same fantasy points that he did in that offense last year, I believe are mistaken. <clears throat> Similarly with Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks just basically went to where he was the uh, number one most talented wide receiver on a uh, wide receiving core, playing for the greatest quarterback in the NFL to an offense where he's going to easily not be the number one target because that's going to be Todd Gurley. But he's, he, he's also got some competition, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, who's going to be a, a target monster there in that offense. And, and I just think that the big play, boom-bust potential, these are the kind of guys I do not want on my roster. Um, 
And, uh, you know, if it's a best ball league, maybe a different story. But this draft capital, that kind of uh, boom bust uh, points, I'm not interested. I agree with you on Cooks. I'll push back a little bit on Tyreek Hill because I think he is a guy that, that will perform even with his targets going down. I, I mean, he had 105 targets last year in 15 games. Um, in 2016, he only had 83 targets, and he, he still performed. He was this viable fantasy option. And, and Trey, I, I think that's kind of a myth about Tyreek Hill being this guy that's boom or bust. He certainly has boom games. But looking at uh, 2017, he only had four games where he was in single digits in terms of fantasy points. So, I mean, yeah, there were some low double-digit games, you know, 11, 12, 10. But I, I, I think Tyreek Hill is still a guy that, that's going to produce, even with Sammy Watkins in that offense. So, but, but Cooks, I tend to agree with you. I, I, don't, I don't love Cooks in, in Los Angeles. Um, and, and, I, and I think one of your points here is that some guys you can take around where those guys, those guys are going, you can get more consistent wide receivers that also have some pretty tremendous upside. So I think that's a good point. Um, but but I'll, I'll still, you know, I'll still consider Tyreek Hill there in that draft. I, I, I like him enough with, with his age and his explosiveness. So, well, what do you think? Uh, I, I like the, the idea of these guys, so, but the, my counterpoint would be let's not pretend the Chiefs are perfect at signing wide receivers. Let's uh, circle back just quickly to Jeremy Macklin, who played two years for them, and look at overthecap.com. So for two years, they paid him $23 million and then caught him and had to take a, you know, it, that's part of that $23 million for the dead cap. And what Jeremy, Jeremy Macklin was not a fun player to own on that team at that time. And that was without that was just him being the full alpha dog there, without like a Tyree Kill, without anything like that. So, uh, I, I I'm very hesitant on Sammy Watkins, and uh, I just uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty out on him with, with Brandon Cooks and what he's done. I, I I hope that he goes just full ham on the Rams, ends their number one wide receiver, and goes for like 1,500 yards just for, so Sean McVay gets elevated to this position because he's done some wonderful things with that team. And was he schemed around? He's kind of like the, you know, he's kind of like the the opposite of the Eagles in the NFC. Uh, besides making as far as the Eagles went, and I think the the NFL is changing, and I think Brandon Cooks still have a huge year. Watkins, I'm a little more skeptical of, just because you have an older coach and an older scheme, and you have a, a newer quarterback coming in, and Mahomes has a cannon and everything like that. But I just uh, I'm just more skeptical about Watkins. Yeah, and I think that's another thing too with. Um you know, one of the things that kind of has lost is that, you know, Tyreek Hill last year, um, you know, the efficiency, I, I think when you look at the number of targets that he had and the fantasy points that he scored, it's just going to be, I mean, he's, he's very reliant on that big play. And I think that's going to be hard. And I know that there's a lot of, I think one of the reasons that his value is being driven up uh, despite the signing of Sammy Watkins is that there, there's this narrative that because Patrick Mahomes has this cannon of an arm that now Tyreek Hill is going to be even better. And uh, I think that, you know, last year, Alex Smith's deep ball passing was, was fairly historic. And, and he, you know, connected quite impressively on those deep balls to Tyree Kill. And so I, I just tend to, I, I, I still, I'm not saying, I, it wouldn't, to be completely honest, it wouldn't surprise me at all this year if, if Sammy Watkins' presence in that Kansas City offense, while I'm not saying he's going to outperform Tyree Kill, but um, if his presence there really ate into, because of his size and, you know, people forget Sammy Watkins um, has, has similar speed. He, he's not quite as fast as Tyreek Hill, but I think all around he's a more talented and more complete wide receiver. And so, I, I mean, 
it'll be very interesting to see how it all unfolds. But I just think that there's a, a decent possibility that Tyreek Ty, Tyreek Hill uh, sees a, a little bit of a regression based on his performance last year. But you know, he certainly he's the kind of guy that you know. I mean, he's almost unguardable. So uh, it's going to be an interesting offense to watch for sure. So Trey, are you are you are you grabbing these guys or not touching these guys? Hill and Cook or Sammy Watkins? Oh, I'll I'll take Sammy Watkins is going three rounds later than Tyreek Hill. I'd rather if if you consider draft capital, I'd rather have Sammy Watkins all day than Tyreek Hill. If if we're 12 months from now and you tell me that Sammy Watkins scored more fantasy points in PPR than Tyreek Hill, I would not be surprised one bit. I mean, I it would not surprise me for him to come in there with a new quarterback under center and become the number one wide receiver in that on that team. I'm not predicting that, and I think that the likelihood of that happening is less than 50%, but it wouldn't surprise me. So let's say Tyreek Hill in two years had 136 receptions. Sammy Watkins in four years has 192. It's only 60 more, and – I, I, you know, he he was in Buffalo, which is like receiver purgatory. And I was on the Chiefs and could do something better. So uh, Tyreek Hill has been like a fun player to own in the past couple of years. But he's going to be way overdrafted because he is he's a really boom-bust player. And the Chiefs are going to be worse than they were last year. I'd be shocked if they made the playoffs. He's not, he's not a boom-bust player. Look at, his, look at his year last year. I mean, yeah, it's a big year, but he's not – he had like four really – games yeah but he had yeah but 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 there's a lot of those 11 12 13 14 point games and i'm just saying the draft capital that goes into him you know that's that's the whole thing well also like he he has he he has four bad games in an offense that doesn't didn't feature any other wide receiver and now they add another elite talent it's good you have to assume that's going to change and it you can at least you can speculate that's going to change or not yeah and the thing about sammy watkins too this is really the first year since his rookie season that he's actually going into a, a season – well, the season hasn't started yet, but he's he's healthy, and he's going to be in training camp with his actual team. You know, 2015 yeah, and 2016, not only was he in Buffalo, but he was going into the season struggling with a lingering injury. And then in 2017, he was traded very late in the offseason. So, brand-new quarterback, Sammy Watkins is there. They, they picked him and paid him handsomely to be there, and – it wouldn't – I'm not this saying this is my bold take, but if 12 months from now Sammy Watkins scores more PPR fantasy points than Tyreek Hill in 2018, I, I won't be surprised. I'm not predicting it. Um, I think he'll score more touchdowns, and I think that there's a possibility that he could have um, an equal number of targets. Um, I think that Tyreek Hill's target share is likely to come down. I think that you'll see – and, again, all of this is based on Mahomes, you know. Uh, Mahomes is going to develop chemistry likely with one, one or two of these guys more than the others. So right. uh, maybe, I mean, maybe Kelsey loses targets. Maybe I, it's going to be, it's impossible to predict when you have a, a changeover. And then are they, I, I don't know about their play calling. That's another thing I need to kind of look at a little bit. I, I don't know because obviously Nagy is no longer. So I don't know if Andy Reid is going to be pl- calling the plays there in Kansas city. Yeah, it'll, but they'll, it'll be some. They'll, they'll do some interesting stuff. They'll move those guys around. I don't know. I think they both could be pretty viable options. We'll see. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, uh, do you think Terry Kill is going to be more value, valuable than what he is right now? That's that. That's what gets to me is when you're talking dynasty trades. Is he his peak value with his age and his current production? I think you, so. Could, I think so. I think that's that's my thing. I think he's at peak value. Like he went for uh, a, like near 1,200 yards last year and seven touchdowns. And his first year, he was like this crazy off the chart player. And so the hype on him is so 
crazy. Like if you if you could get like a nice a real nice uh, dynasty asset that's been proven for more than two years for Tyreek Hill on a, a different. I don't know. I just feel like this has to be his peak. Yeah, he can, he can go up a little bit. We'll see. Plus, there aren't a lot of wide receivers out there. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, there there's. Uh, Look at the top wide receivers. I mean, you're probably right, but there's no guarantee that's his speed. My concern with him is that he's so reliant on his speed. That's where he – I mean, if you if you if his, yeah. if his speed went to 90% of what it is now, his production would be half of what it is. He's so reliant on the deep balls. I mean, I know that he, he – but he is so reliant on his speed. And, and that's where I feel like, you know, last year with Alex Smith and the way he was throwing the deep ball – I mean, it was a, it was kind of a perfect storm and, and Tyreek, I mean, he had a good, he had a good rookie season, but I mean, he, he almost, he, he either over doubled or right at doubled his receiving yards from year one to year two. His yards for reception went from like less than 10 to almost 16. So. I, I just remember us talking about like Devonta Adams a couple of years ago, having that big year and everyone's like, Oh, Adams is going to regress. He's going to lose value. Sell Adams. Well, what happened to Adams? He's only <laughs> value so I, I that's what i mean you we don't it's it, it's we can write the narrative but it can go the other way we, we just saw it with Devonte adams yeah you know well but and so. that's a different story too because he's become the alpha dog in an aaron Rodgers offense and you know he was a. Uh, oh i know i'm I mean, not but it, yeah. it kills me it's not, he's never been the alpha dog in the the aaron Rodgers offense like he's he has he's never had a thousand yards like tyree kill has outperformed Devonte adams significantly yeah and uh, it, it, but he, he is now like uh, it's he's such a like I don't because you should be buying up Devontae Adams never at a thousand yards but touchdowns he has so, that, so many touchdowns yeah twenty but touchdowns. now they have another that now they have their red zone target in Jimmy Graham nah he'll double digit I think Devontae Adams is a lock for ten or twelve touchdowns yeah Aaron Rodgers is gonna throw like thirty six touchdowns there's plenty to go around well I mean <laughs> I mean seriously Devontae Adams could literally be a top three wide receiver this year. And I think Devontae Adams is the perfect candidate of what you need to understand with uh, wide receivers that are taken in like the second round and get their chances because his first year he had uh, 38 catches for 446 yards. The second year he had 94 targets, but 50 catches, 483. And then he just exploded the next year for he had 120 targets, uh, only 75 catches, but he had 12 touchdowns. And then the next, and then with the backup quarterback this last year, he had 10 touchdowns. Like Devontae Adams is what you live for in a dynasty prospect and that's the guy you hold on to and don't sell low would you rather no have Devonta adams or tyree kill i'll take adams dynasty oh adams all day it's here he's also re-signed his second contract yeah i think that's the 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 name pushes him over the top because he's gonna be playing with aaron Rodgers, and we know that they've got that connection yeah so it's pretty easy for me so i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a quick uh quick two guys uh mine are really fast before we go so we can move on because we've got a, a, a fun fun game where we're going to have train will face off in just a second um and my guys just this is more of like a psa for everybody if i i look at two wide receivers like two top 12 wide receivers that i don't want to touch especially in startup drafts and that's julio jones and aj green why they're they're elite options but basically because their age like like unless i'm like a team that i really am all about winning now this year I'm I'm trying to unload those guys. Julio Jones is 29. AJ Green turns 30. And, and these guys, maybe they've got a couple more years left, but I want to get out from under them before they dramatically lose value. We've seen it with guys like Demarius Thomas, who's 30 years old. He's lost a lot of value. I think it's coming for both of those guys. I could be wrong, but I'd rather sell and get a younger wide receiver that's going to help me win this year as well that may score 
close to as many points as them than, than hang out of those guys on my roster. So that's my philosophy. You guys may disagree, but Julio Jones, AJ Green, I, I want to get rid of them while they've got still really tremendous value. Uh, so I want to relate them to the Transformers in Age of Extinction, where they kind of find the Transformers in like the cave where they come back to life and they, they tear everything up. They're older receivers, but what, what – so these guys, you kind of uh, you have to look at your team and decide what you're going to do. Adrian Green and Julio Jones are going to be top, what, six, like six receivers next year, 10? Is there like 10 maybe their floor? I don't know, maybe. A.J. Green's got Dalton thrown to him still, so we'll see. Yeah, but that offense is a change that. with their offensive coordinator and everything like that. Like, if you look at how his seasons have ebbed and flowed, uh, and you have to assume Julio Jones is going to be top five, right? Like, like overall. And it just, is, it just depends what you're, what you're going for next year. Like, do you, do you view Julio Jones is going to have touchdown regression in the positive sense that he's going to have more touchdowns next year? And the fact that they have – uh, two other, like at least one rookie wide receiver that's really can get open and can take coverage away, and that Julio Jones would just be better. Uh, I actually, I, I'm a pretty, pretty big fan of AJ Green and Julio Jones of next year because we're we're lacking in elite wide receivers at this point in dynasty age, and I think we're gonna miss them in the years future. Yeah, but okay, let's look a year ago ADP. There's a guy that was uh, the number is this wide receivers number 15th wide receiver overall his name was des bryant okay what happened where's des bryant now he's fallen off a cliff so i'm just saying that once these guys get to a certain age their skills will diminish before we even realize it then all of a sudden it's happened you know julio gets injured he has a foot injury this year he's out for half the year and all of a sudden people are like oh crap i've got this guy's 29 years old he's gonna turn 30 on my team what am I going to do with them? I'm just saying this is a window right now where you can get out from underneath these guys. And I'm, I'm not saying sell them for cheap or let them go for nothing. Get get value for them because your window's closing. It's going yeah, to maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to stay in the top twelve for one or two more years. But in the meantime, I'll get some younger guys to help me win, and I won't have to worry about it two years from now if they're still producing. So that that's all I'm saying. These guys drop off a cliff before we know it. When wide receivers get to thirty. Just be careful. I totally see it happening too. I just think we're gonna miss the uh, we're gonna miss these elite wide receiver like these freak athletes that that have been crushing it. Uh, do do you see any of these in these upcoming classes and what they're doing now? The the Julio Jones, AJ Greens of the world are uh, I don't know. It's it's almost like a dying race, you know. Wait until twenty nineteen, my friend. <laughs> we're gonna have some some fresh blood, some wide receivers that potentially are real studs uh, in this league. If, if all goes according to plan. Of course, talking about ESB last year as a, as a status. Quo. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it kind of just, that's, that's my experience with Dynasty is, I don't want really to be down about these guys, but like, Julio Jones and AJ Greens are these, like, imagine drafting those guys in your rookie drafts and then having them their whole career. That'd be so, you'd be so stoked. Yeah, and I think, Ryan, <clears throat> I think that there's uh, an aspect of this in which you are, you know, th- that's great advice. Um, and I think that it's all content, right? We, 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 anyone could be a buyer or a sell depending on what you're getting, right? So the yeah. only, my only, if I were in a startup, snake startup, first of all, I would try to convince my league mates to switch to auction. But if they were just completely unwilling and I was locked in, I would not probably take Julio Jones and AJ Green at their you know 15th and, and 21st overall ADP where they are right now. Um, however, I think that their perceived value in existing leagues is lower than that. Uh, I'm looking at an ADP, the guys immediately following them, 
Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks are the four guys immediately following Julio and AJ. I don't know that you're going to get the Hill, Diggs, Robinson, or Cooks owners to give up those guys, given every single one of those guys is 24 years old. That I don't know that they're going to give up any of those guys for Julio or AJ Green. Um, and then after that, you've got Juju, Corey Davis, T.Y. Hilton, Jarvis Landry, which is a pretty significant teardrop from from guys like Julio and AJ Green. So my, my thought when hearing this is almost like maybe you even put some feelers out in leagues where you feel like you're a pretty decent competitor and maybe willing to sacrifice a guy like a Corey Davis that someone believes in. If you could turn Corey Davis and a future second or a future third into Julio Jones or AJ Green, I would be all about making that deal if you're a contender. So, so maybe in reality, Ryan, because you're right, these guys in 24 months are likely to be significantly lower in value on, in startup ADP. But maybe the perceived reduction in value is something you can pounce on. Just like Demaryius Thomas. I think Demaryius Thomas is an incredible buy right now in Dynasty PPR because people don't think he's worth anything. And the likelihood that he's a top 20 wide receiver this year is very high. So – no, I, I, I agree. Know, I, yeah, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. It's from a startup perspective, I would not take these guys where they're going based on ADP. But th- they may be buys. And if you have them and you can get Allen Robinson and, and maybe a little extra, I'd be willing to make that move to get younger. If you can get Stephon Diggs, which I really believe in. Um, you know, earlier this offseason, I trade A.J. Green for Diggs and Carlos Hyde. Um, I, I like making moves like that if you get guys that you really believe in. Um, but but there's just a, a few guys right there after them in ADP that... Yeah, everything is situational, of course. I mean, if you're a contender and you have A.J. Green on your team, no, I don't advise going out and selling him this moment. Right. But let's say you're this middling team or you're rebuilding. You, you don't need a guy like that, you know, and that's maybe that's obvious. But I just want to remind people how old they are and that they're reaching that kind of danger zone for wide receivers in my book. Um, so yeah. well, One of them plays on the Cincinnati offense. Which is just just terrible. I'm predicting Julio to be the wide receiver one this year. Finally, get double digit touchdowns. I wouldn't even be shocked. Like, that's the thing he's, about him. He's due, isn't he? Yeah. Man, over. <laughs> he is the definition of touchdown regression for like five years. So, <laughs> just as I mean, like, he's gonna score twenty touchdowns this year and just yeah, like I'll, make up for lost time. Uh, based on my quick math, he has uh, piled up touchdowns amounts of thirteen. So, you may start the year off quick. So, guys, now it's time to play a little game. And this game is How Well Do You Know Dynasty Twitter? So, what we're going to do is, is we, we, I've got a slideshow up that, that only Trey and Will can see, so we'll, we'll read it to you. And it, it displays these Twitter trades, these Dynasty Twitter trades. So, not only do you guys have to pick the right choice who Twitter went with, but you have to guess the percentage that they went with, the percentage of the votes. And there's a catch, like Price is right, you can't go over. So just so you understand what we're talking about, we've got a practice question here. This, this one doesn't count, but this was on Dynasty Twitter. The trade was, I don't know the league settings, it's just Jimmy G or Marcus Mariota plus Kyle Laletta. So Dynasty Twitter, who do you think they went with? Which was the winning side? And what percentage vote did they give the winning side without going over? So this is just practice. So let's just, I'll throw out some numbers just quickly. Doesn't, doesn't count. 65% for Jimmy G. Okay. 65% Jimmy Oof. G. I'll go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 1%. 4%. Oh, 
for GVG. I, just, I can't go over. I, I, I can't go over. Right. I think it'll be under sixty five percent for GVG, but I think it'll be like fifty nine ish. All right. Great. So let's see. So wow, nice. Uh, you know. So will the right strategy there? You want to go lower if you think it was under sixty five and trade busted. You'd want to go under like one percent to win the point. So yeah, Jimmy G. 58%, Mariota <laughs> and Kyle Loletta, 42%. So Dynasty Twitter likes Jimmy G more than Mariota and It's Kyle weird that Loletta didn't add much to that trade. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Probably not. And I have no idea if this is one QB or, or uh, you know, Superflex or whatever. But that was his practice. We won't really dig into that one. Let's get going. And um, I, I think we'll, we'll alternate. Um, actually, I should probably flip a coin, uh, which, I, which I don't have. I'm going to flip a pin and whichever pin, you know, like, so, so Trey, you call it, do you, is the, is the ink side pointing towards my screen or away from my screen? Go ahead and call it my friend. Towards, towards. Let's see. I'm afraid not. It's pointing away. It's pointing away. So there are five questions. Will, do you want me to ask you first or second? First. Okay. So Will's going to start by answering first on these. So here is our first official um, dynasty Twitter trade. And of course it's the obligatory Saquon Barkley trade on Dynasty Twitter. We've seen less of these lately, but they're still out there. So this one, we've got Dalvin Cook and Rashad Penny or Saquon Barkley. So, Will, do you want to go with the Dalvin Cook, Rashad Penny side or the Saquon Barkley side, and what number do you want to, to assign it? I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley, 76%. Oh, wow. Okay, um, he's going I- Barkley, 76%. I think that this poll probably is much closer than that. Um, and so um, I'm going to – I'm going to still say Saquon Barkley, but I'm going to say 51%. Okay. So – Boo you low percentage. Dynasty Twitter, Trey, Dublin Cook, Rashad Penny, or Saquon Barkley? I think you guys are going to be a little bit surprised because I certainly was. So the Dublin Cook, Rashad Penny side took 66% on Dynasty Twitter – Saquon Barkley, only, only 34%. What do you guys think of this trade in real life? What, what side would you take? It would probably be team-specific for me, but um, I, I think it's pretty close. I mean, I, I do like Saquon Barkley. Um, I do think that, you know, Dalvin Cook has – I mean, he showed incredible potential last year before getting hurt, and I, I like what Rashad Penny can do up there in Seattle. So, you know, if I were a team where I could appreciate the depth, I don't think it's a terrible move. Um, much closer than this, in my opinion. All right. Uh, Will, what do you think? Do you have one way or another you definitely would follow, or you think it's pretty even? Well, I think I'd just go – I think I'd take Saquon Barkley here. Rashad Penny, I get that he was a first-round pick, but Dalvin Cook fell last year, and he fla- he flashed last year, flashed last year pretty hard. But Dalvin Cook may be one of the – as a Vikings fan, it's even hard to say. He may be my most overrated player in Dynasty drafts by far. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we, just, we just don't know, do we? And uh, I, I think I would go with Saquon Barkley, too. I mean, I, I think the, the trade is pretty even, and I don't hate the person that takes Dalvin Cook or Shad Penny, depending on your team makeup, but I think I'd go Barkley here as well. And I was really surprised that the Dalvin Cook-Penny side won with all the hype with Barkley. It was it kind of surprised me, but that's, that's the results, Dynasty Twitter, you know? So let's move on to question number two. This is kind of interesting. It's Marvin Jones or Alshon Jeffrey. So... Uh, Trey, you get to go first. Do you want the Marvin Jones side or the Alshon Jeffrey side? And what, what percentage do you want to put in? Um, I would say that the Alshon Jeffrey side won 
Okay, so you're going Alshon, 63%. Well, I'll go 64, Bob. <laughs> you're going to go Alshon, 64. All right, let's see what Dennis Twitter thinks of this trade. Marshawn, uh, or Marshawn, <laughs> Marvin Jones, Alshon <laughs> Jeffrey. You combine that them. That is a great guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, this is great because what our, our listeners don't know is Alshon Jeffrey did win, but he was at 62%. You guys both busted. And wow. Marvin Jones, 38%. So, so, so far, no one's on the board with the first two questions. <laughs> um, so, but you guys were really close on this. I mean, I should give you both, uh, both partial credit. So, um, you, you guys both went Alshon. You, you, that's how you felt Dynasty Twitter was going to go. You both feel the same way. You both take Alshon over Marvin Jones. I mean, Marvin Jones had a heck of a, heck of a year last year, guys. You don't think he's going to repeat that with Detroit? Trey, you said this year you thought – uh, um, that Detroit was going to run the ball more. I do. Um, I, you know, I, I have a hard time with this trade because neither of these guys are, are guys I'm really incredibly excited about owning. But I do think that Nelson Aguilar coming on last year, um, and, and I think that, you know, we've talked about Carson Wentz and his, you know, fairly historic um, efficiency. So I, I do actually prefer, if, if this were redraft or I was looking only in, you know, this next year, I think I might prefer Marvin Jones, especially at where their their ADP the the differences you know value wise. Because I think that you could get Marvin Jones um, and something else for Alshon, and and Alshon's a guy that I really don't necessarily want on my dynasty teams right now. What about you, Will? I, I think you're you like Marvin Jones, right? Yeah, I like Bar- Marvin Jones. He's fine. Marshawn, I think he's I mean, keep doing that. <laughs> Martian Jones. Marshawn Jones. Uh, Marvin Jones. You like Marvin Jones? I'm only here, so don't get fined. Uh, Marshawn Jones. No, uh, I I think I think people forget a little bit about Marvin Jones when you look at the at after the season stats versus his like game to game production. He's a horrible player to own as far as stress levels go as a as a player in fantasy leagues because he's so up and down. So if we look at the start of the season, he started the season this year. In the first two games, he had three receptions. Uh, he had two touchdowns to go along with that, but he only had three receptions. And through it took him like it took him till week five to get in the double digits of receptions, and then he kind of had some you know he had a little bit of explosion, he had uh, some really really good games, but he's not compared to those guys that are like those uh, uh, the, the the boom gut boom bust guys that are like the uh, Brandon Cooks and like the Tyree Kills and things like that. But he's I feel like he's totally in the same thread. Like uh, when he played Cleveland last year uh, on November twelfth, he had one catch for two yards. And he like he he messed up your fantasy team really hard that that week. If you're relying on him to be to be your WR two, when he finishes finishes as a WR like in top ten, so at, at the end of the day, like it, it kills me that I, I want Marvin Jones on my team, but I don't want to pay for Marvin Jones because he is uh, you only want him on your flex at best. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I I agree. I don't particularly like either of these guys too much either, but with Alshon, you you. Have have a guy that I think has you know a higher higher ceiling. Frankly, if he can put it all together, he's he's an elite talent, or he, or he has shown that to be in the past. So, all right, guys. So we're uh, we're, we're tied up zero zero. Moving to our third question. So our third <laughs> uh, dynasty Twitter. It's neck and neck, Trey. It's neck and neck. I'm coming for it's you. Doing well, though, you just you just missed both on both of those questions. So this is interesting. We've got some more data about the league. It's a twelve team dynasty league, half point PPR, one QB startup draft. So, gentlemen, you're on the clock at the 405. So, 12 team dynasty league, 
um, half point PPR, one QB startup draft on the clock at the 405. So this person was on the clock asking Dynasty Twitter, who do I take at the 405? Do I take Zach Ertz? Do I take Ronald Jones? Do I take Shady McCoy? Or do I take Sony Michelle? So Zach Ertz, Ronald Jones, Shady McCoy, or Sony Michelle with the, with the 405. So this is interesting because there are four choices. And what, what did Dynasty Twitter think? So, Will, you're up on this one. You go. Oh, yeah. It's, it's Sony Michelle. It's 100%. You, think it's, you, you want to go with 100%? Well, I just feel like that's what it should be. Uh, <laughs> what does Dynasty go, Twitter think? Uh, I mean, because Dynasty, Dynasty Twitter isn't all that faithful. Let's go 55. 55%. All right. Sonny Michelle, 55%. Well, you got you down. So, Trey. Yeah, I, I agree with the Sonny Michelle, um, but I'm going to go with uh, 1%. Oh, got some strategy going on. All right. <laughs> Michelle, one percent. Let's see what the what the answer is. All right. Nice job, Trey. You, you get it because it's Sunny Michelle forty percent. So you uh you did not go over on the bus. <laughs> well, you have to you have to read you have to read the results because the listeners can't see the yes. Can't well, see the they, know who, they know the top person is Sunny <laughs> Michelle forty percent. Runner up was Zach Ertz at twenty nine percent. Then Ronald Jones, 18%. Shady McCoy, 13%. What do, you, what do you guys think if you're at the four or five? And these are your four options that you're kind of looking at. Um, obviously, you, you both feel the same as Dynasty Twitter. You both think Sonny Michelle, hands down here. I don't, yeah. I don't say hands down. I mean, it probably depends on my team makeup. I, 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 Zach, Ertz is, would, Zach Ertz would be very tempting to me. But um, I, I like Sonny Michelle. And I wouldn't have any problem taking him at this point of the draft, especially half, half PPR. Yeah, Will? Yeah, or if we, uh, Hunter Henry just went down, it could change it. I'm a huge Sony Michelle fan in the Patriots offense. I think he's going to be a, like, uh, I, I just think I think he's going to be RB one next year on that team. I don't think it's going to be close. Yeah, we we like we like Sony Michelle. If if you didn't hear us talk about him in episode 39, go back and listen to that. All right, guys. So we've got Trey Barrett on the board. One zip. We've got two more questions. So Will, you got to come back. But Trey's going to get to go first on this next one. And the question is, which rookie, I must say, which Wookiee wide receiver, Chewbacca, of course, which rookie wide receiver <laughs> will score the most fantasy points in 2018? Uh, we've got Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk, DJ Moore, and Calvin Ridley to choose from, Trey. So which rookie wide receiver will score the most fantasy points in 2018? Did Dynasty Twitter say Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk, DJ Moore, or Calvin Ridley? Um, I'm going to say that they said DJ Moore. I'm going to go 34%. DJ Moore, 34%. All right, Will. Oof. Need this one. Uh, 34% is high for, for, for DJ Moore. I, I'm going to take, I want to take Michael Gallup and I'm going to go Michael Gallup, 33%. All right. Michael got 33%. So is it DJ? Because, uh, can, can, can I explain it real quick? Yeah, though? go ahead. I think Dynasty Twitter thinks uh, Dak Prescott's going to be better at quarterback than what he was with less receiving talent. So, yeah, here we go. Yeah, they do. It's interesting. People are, I've seen in, in these drafts that they really, really like Michael Gallup more than I do. Let, let's see what Dynasty Twitter said here. So it was very close. <laughs> it was very close. The winner on this one was DJ Moore with 29%. Calvin Ridley was second with 28%. Michael Gallup, third, 26%. And Christian Kirk, 
uh, fourth with 17%. So looking at the numbers, uh, Trey, you got the, the right player barely, but you went over. Um, so you do not get the point. But, uh, but this is interesting, guys. I think this is indicative of kind of these rookie wide receivers and how we all feel about them because um, – well, this is about who's going to score the most fantasy points in 2018. So maybe I think DJ Moore still has a consensus number one for most people. Uh, but maybe people don't feel he's going to be the, the most uh, most valuable fantasy wide receiver for 2018 anyway. So any so any I, thoughts? I, I, yeah, I have, I have a potential grab bag of shame bet here. So we can bring it back. That uh, Traquan Smith outscores all these guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree that's going to – I'll take the field. Yeah, I'll take just the four. You just get the four. Well, yeah, I'll take the field of four. Uh, I'll, I'll, I, I too will go with the field on that one. All right, lock it in. Lock it in. All right. My, my, like, uh, no rookie wide receiver for those teams that's hit over 1,000 yards. So, so grab bag of shame. This is a concept we've been talking about for a long time. So for our <laughs> listeners that have ever heard it, the idea is for us to, to fill this grab bag of shame with all these things that we would be ashamed to do, like Ryan wears a Packers jersey to work or something like that. And um, we, at the end of the season, we all pull from the grab bag of shame and we see what we pull out. Then we have to shame ourselves by doing these activities. So that's the idea. So this is our first official one, I think, for 2018, right? Guys, this is the first one on the board? It is. Yeah, because I think Trey owes me from last year because he thought uh, Isaiah Crowell was going to outscore Duke Johnson. Yeah, Duke Johnson. Well, you know, fortunately, we never actually put that out in a, in a podcast. So that's not recorded anywhere. Because if so, I also would have to pull out of the grab bag of shame. So that's lost forever. Well, I'm sorry. That was my, <laughs> no, that's that fine. Was, was maybe the loss. I was going to get more psyched up on this. Like, uh, it's for, for the results of this, say, like Michael Gallup, 26%, Christian Kirk, 17%, DJ Moore, 29%, Gavin Ridley. It's, it's super, it's so easy in a Twitter poll to take the first round picks. Like, it, there's not a lot of thought that goes into that. Like just, just play draft capital, play on the team that the team they go to. Uh, it's not it's not hard to do that. I'd be shocked if if Michael like I had one. I, I like Michael Gallup and I hope he does really well. But that that passing offense is not going to be. It's not like a huge sustainable offense. It, what's he going to do there? You know, overall, like I can see Christian Kirk easily having more catches than him or DJ Moore or Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Especially I think Calvin Ridley. So uh, I think Michael Gallup. Is, Gallup should be driven down here by quite a bit on that team. I don't know. It's just a, if you look at the, just the general offenses, like the, the Cardinals, uh, Christian Kirk is going to be the third option behind David Johnson and their quarterback uh, is going to be, it's going to be a mess because Sam Bradford maybe will start like one and a half preseason games and then maybe the start of the season and who will full Vikings and just quit after that. And who knows, you know, if, if you're on the outside with Fitzgerald in the middle, I just would be shocked if uh if Christian Kirk does anything above like uh, a Calvin Ridley or Michael Gallup, but, and then DJ Moore on Carolina with, with, uh, with what they have going on there. I don't know. I just, I just don't trust DJ Moore being super successful year one. I think he's gonna be a super big by year two. We will see, you know, I kind of, everyone, and I've said this too, that Sam Bradford is going to last for like a game or half a game. He's going to be out for the year. I kind of hope that Sam Bradford goes all Kurt Warner, you know, going back to the Cardinals and, because <laughs> he's a talented guy, it's always just been his injuries, right? So maybe they can keep him upright. Maybe he'll put it together and lead the Cardinals to the playoffs. So, <laughs> but Kurt Warner won a, won a Super Bowl. Like <laughs> an MVP trophy. No, no, I, I'm, I'm just saying that would be that would be a fun narrative to see Sam Bradford kind of 
kind of put it together, kind of put it together. All right, guys, you ready to bring it home? We got one more question. So Trey's up, one zip. Uh, do we want to make this one double or nothing, guys? Or uh, I'm in. Make it interesting. Trey? Sure. All right. <laughs> so this one, there's a little narrative here this person posted on Twitter. I was offered a big deal in my 12-team PPR Identity League. I would deal Michael Thomas in exchange for Diggs, Royce Freeman, and George Kittle. What, which side would you rather have? Would you rather have Michael Thomas or would you rather have the package deal? Diggs, Freeman, Royce Freeman, or George Kittle? So I believe that it is. I'll Will go first. Start. I'll go as a Diggs, Freeman, Kittle, 51%. So you're going with the package. And what was the percentage? 51. 51%. Trey. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the package as well. Um, I'm going to go 52%. Going over. Okay. So is it the package? Is it Diggs, Royce Freeman, George Kittle, or is it Michael Thomas? What does Dynasty Twitter think? Let's find out. They like the package (laughs) as well. They like the package by 56%. Diggs, Royce Freeman, and George Kittle, 56%. Michael Thomas, 44%. That means, Trey Barrett, you are the winner of what does dynasty twitter think congratulations my friend <laughs> I, like we, it. I mean the more active person on twitter crosses twitter <laughs> what what do you what do you guys think of the trade though i mean if, it, if it's you do you do you uh do we like that 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 nice little package you get a kid digs who who could really break out any any year now who's shown the potential then you get royce freeman <laughs> who we who, who who we really like and then george kittle the Iowa product? I mean, what's not to like? And then there's Michael Thomas. Oh, yeah. He's only been great his first couple of years in the league. So what do we like on this? What do we think of this deal? You guys know I, I can't ever uh, turn down an opportunity to buy digs. Um, I, I do like Royce Freeman a lot. I think Kittle's kind of a nice dart throw. Um, you, you know, the, there's going to be some potential there in San Francisco in that passing game. So I, I do think that I, uh, strangely, I don't own Michael Thomas in any dynasty league at all. Um, and I, uh, it's not that I dislike him, but I just think that the opportunity, you know, Diggs has got to learn to stay healthy. Um, but then there's that, that question with Michael Thomas of how, how much longer does he really have Drew Brees? And, and with my belief in Royce, Royce Freeman is the difference maker. Uh, he, he's a, a, a nice enough piece that I think can return um, immediate value that uh, I, I would take the Diggs Freeman side as well. Yeah. Will, you're, you're, on the, you're in the package dealer, right? No, I mean, I was guessing for Dynasty Twitter. I'm fully on Michael Thomas here. Okay. Uh, even as an, as an Iowa uh, huge fan, uh, Diggs is – I just have some questions about Diggs and what they're doing in that offense, and he's going to come up with a new contract year after this. So he may not be with the Vikings next year. He may have to go somewhere else because they have a lot of uh, salary caps set up in other places – and he's never stayed healthy. And those Vikings fans, we, we love Diggs, but we also have to understand what's, what's going on here. And Michael Thomas has done nothing but been a wide receiver one in his first two years. What more do you want a wide receiver? It's, it's, it's insane to me that Michael Thomas is not considered a top five dynasty wide receiver and why people aren't going out and grabbing him everywhere they can. He's going to have over 100 catches. Uh, he had a low touchdown rate last year uh, because he only – he caught nine touchdowns his first year, only five his second. And now Mark Ingram's going to be out, and that offense is going to change. You think Drew Brees is going to go throw, throw for less touchdowns than last year, and his number one wide receiver isn't going to, like, blow up? 
Michael Thomas to me is such a big target. If people are willing to sell low, it, uh, it, it, it's, I don't know. I'm just trying to grab wherever I can. Don't read too much into projections and what people are doing in the future. Michael Thomas is a producer now, and he's going he's gonna to have more touchdowns than he had last year. He's going to be like the, a top five WRE like easily. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there is some sleeping on, on Michael Thomas for sure. I, I don't know. Sometimes I think there's this perception that he's undervalued, but then I talk to his owner, and his owner certainly doesn't undervalue him. So I don't know that that's true or not. But um, I, I just think it's that that appeal. Some, sometimes I, I think the smart money, especially if you're a contender, is just grab Michael Thomas. You've got your wide receiver one, and, and you you live with giving up. You know, some of those question marks, that other deal. But, you know, the potential of digs, oh, you know, we just we see, just see that potential. Uh, you know, but, but Michael Thomas is kind of already there, isn't he, as a wide receiver one. And then Freeman, which, which you know, we're, we're high on, um, or at least I'm high on going to that that great situation in Denver, which we alluded to last episode. And George Kittle is kind of an interesting dart throw. So, no, it's this is a fun deal. It's probably pretty even, uh, um, but I, I, I like the arguments for, for both of those sides. So, well, I, we'll think that, I think one interesting thing, you know, there's only uh, 60, just, just shy – of 60 points separating Michael Thomas and Stefan Diggs last year in full PPR um, with two, two games missed by Diggs. So if you look at a points per game basis, if you know, again, though, health is the concern with Diggs. Um, uh, you know, we saw him come out and, you know, the, the first three games of the year, he was a wide receiver one and, um, and then he got hurt and never quite recovered. So I think health is the key. If, if Stefan Diggs played a full 16 game season and stayed relatively healthy, I think that he's, uh, less than two points a game different from Michael Thomas. And with the uh, addition of Royce Freeman, obviously this is kind of an upside because Royce Freeman could end up being nothing and Stefan Diggs may never stay healthy. So it's clearly a, uh, you know, upside versus, you know, you know what you're getting. Um, but I, I'm tending more and more, the, the more I play dynasty, the more that I'm tending to lean towards these diversification deals where you take a guy that's a consensus uh, top 12 startup pick and diversify him into two assets. Uh, you ensure yourself a little better against injury. And then, I, you know, the upside plays. Um, th- I mean, we, we live in a world where if Diggs stays healthy and has the breakout we know he's capable of, that, you know, next year Diggs could be worth more than Michael Freeman just one-on-one. So I, I'm not predicting that, but. You, you, you pulled a Ryan. You just said Michael Freeman. Oh. <laughs> he merged players. Michael Thomas. You didn't hear about Michael Freeman? It's Royce's twin brother. So Michael Wait, Thomas only has uh, he only has four less catches than Stefan Diggs in one one less year in the league, and he has played like more games. And his first year, he had nine touchdowns. This year, he had five touchdowns. When you had that like electric. New Orleans running game. If you don't think that's going to change this year, uh, where he's going to, like Drew Brees is going to throw more passing touchdowns, especially after Ingram's suspension, like it's going to change quite a bit. Like uh, the the digs, I love his future and what he's going to have, but uh, I think people are just like they're they're turning a blind eye to production of Michael Thomas, and it it's a uh, like if you rank Stefan Dig Stefan Diggs over Michael Thomas in Dynasty, it's it's I, I, I'm just shocked. What, what, what do you want from Michael Thomas to prove that he's a better receiver? Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's availability. I mean, Michael Thomas has a track record of being, you know, available and playing and, and Diggs unfortunately doesn't. So if Diggs can put that together, but uh, we've been saying that for a couple of years now about Diggs. So we'll, we'll see. It's yeah. interesting. Only time will tell who wins that uh, <laughs> particular deal. 
Michael Thomas has two more 1,000-yard seasons than, <laughs> than Stephen Diggs, and he's only been the year the league two years. Oh, that's not yeah, but, fair. Come you on. Know, you, you talked about, too, the, the, I mean, Michael Thomas had 149 targets last year in that offense. The, the likelihood that he's going to repeat that is very, very slim with Cam Meredith coming in with um, Alvin – because Alvin Kamara's usage down the stretch last year increased. And so I think that with the addition of Traquan Smith and Cam Meredith, I don't know that you're going to see Michael Thomas get so hyper-targeted. And that, that's why, I mean, you know, he, he only had 12 yards of catch. 1,200 yards receiving is impressive. He had 104 receptions. And, and you talked about the touchdowns. And touchdowns are d- difficult to predict. But I, I just think that Michael Thomas – especially in the, in the long game. And of course, nobody knows who the quarterbacks and I'm not comparing them to Stefan Diggs here. I'm just purely talking about the potential for regression for Michael Thomas. And, you know, 24 months from now, for me, the likelihood is that he's going to be worth less than he is right now. He, he's a guy that I, if I did own, I would be looking to sell and make a, a move like this where I can kind of diversify because I don't think that Drew Brees has many years left in him. And I do think that they're adding other Drew, and we we talked about it. I mean, Drew Brees spreads the ball around. He always um, is targeting 149 targets. I'd be interested to go back. Other than when Jimmy Graham was there, I bet there's never been a pass catcher in his offense uh, that's gotten that kind of hyper hyper targeting. So I think it's going to be tough for Michael Thomas to repeat the catches and the yardage that he had last year. Um, Again, you know, I th- he, he's he's still great, and I think he's a lock to to you know be a top fifteen wide receiver. But long term, yeah, could be worth selling. Well, yeah, and I think that's the the, the, the sell high narrative because Drew Brees is in, he's what thirty eight, thirty nine now. He's he's old. He's not going to play forever, and that offense is going to change. But for me, like Diggs has done some some great things in the, the Minnesota offense. But he also – they might not be able to afford him next year. So where is he going to go? And wide receiver changing team is, is a big deal and typically it hurts them quite a bit. So Diggs, is, he wasn't a first-round pick. He's a fifth-round pick. Uh, so this is, this is his contract year now. And unless he produces this year, if he can't stay healthy, the Vikings aren't going to keep him. They're going to sign him long-term. He's, he's only played, uh, you know, 40 games over three years. So he hasn't – I don't know. To, to me – uh, Michael Thomas is such a slam dunk for production that he gets, he's being discounted and we're, we're missing in this. It almost goes back to Julio Jones and AJ Green. Like we're missing on these guys trying to project for the future that we're in dynasty. We're missing on current stats. Like g- give me a guy for, give me Michael Thomas's last few years over Stephen Diggs future. Like if I, if I took Michael Thomas in the second round of rookie draft when he was a rookie uh, versus what Diggs' future is, like you, you would take that all day. And when somebody starts producing on a team, we shouldn't discount that so hard. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I think that Diggs is greater than Thomas. It's, it's the key. The key is adding in a guy like Royce Freeman, which I think has the potential to be a running back one. You know, I, I think that's the, what pushes me over the edge. And, and Diggs is a guy I like, I, I mean, it's not, you know, that that's no secret. Um, but cause I, and I think right now that Royce Freeman's like in the fifth or sixth round of startups, so, you know, for me, this, these are the kind of moves in startups I love to make where I can move down 9, 10, 11 spots and pick up a fifth-round pick uh, where I feel like I'm not sacrificing a ton of production. I get a guy in Diggs or Allen Robinson in that range that I feel like has some upside. And then I add a guy like Royce Freeman, which we all know the running back craze. If Royce Freeman comes out and has, you know, uh, 
1,200 total yards this year and eight touchdowns, which I think is completely reasonable. You know, he's a third-round startup pick next year. And now all of a sudden, you know, that side of the trade looks incredible. So I, I think that's where the – I mean, Michael Thomas versus Stephon Diggs straight up, you know, there's no question it's, it's Michael Thomas. And, and I do like your point. The, the, I think sometimes – and, you know, Amari Cooper is a perfect example. Amari Cooper continues to be drafted very, very highly. And I'm not saying I disagree with that, but I do, I do like your take, Will, of, of taking the production over the upside because upside uh, isn't winning you a fantasy championship unless it hits. You know, production is where you win championships. So I do like that take. It's something I've struggled with with being in dynasty for a few years is, you know, you want, you want those young guys. You want these, like, flashy players. But then you get into the season and you end up like, like you know, like an eight, like like an eight and six team, and you squeak into the playoffs. And then you're just hoping for something, versus like these, you know, now all of a sudden somebody kills you. Who's old. like Larry Fitzgerald? I feel like is a perfect, perfect example. I wish I just would have drafted him in all my dynasty leagues. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Joes. You can contact us directly at thefantasyjoes at gmail.com or at ffjoes on Twitter. Your feedback is welcome. We want to know how we're doing. Let us know what you want from us. He told us he didn't want us to sing anymore, so notice there's no singing on the show, at least not until the very end, maybe. Well, we come at you weekly on Mondays in the summer with new episodes, but be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And leave us a review, but only if it's a positive one. You can find us on Twitter. Trey is at Trey Barrett. Will is at FantasyJoe underscore Will. And I'm at RotoLibrarian. On behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood. And we are the Fantasy Joes. I don't have that much breath, Trey. <laughs> can't, can't extend it. I think Trey was trying to sing, but he was on mute. I said, I thought we weren't singing. We're harmonizing instead. Oh, harmonizing. Fantasy Joe's back again. Doing that little dynasty swing. Fantasy Joe's going (laughs) on. Not too hard. Not too soft. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. But what? No, he imagine recording the draft party live. Good. Don't record that. In Nashville. That would be great, but well, I'm only gonna talk on a southern accent. Yeehaw! Back to figure out they're gonna do that. Howdy! Packers took another defensive player in the first round. Golly, I'm surprised. That's <laughs> pretty. I'm gonna get beat uh, up. It's pretty funny and pretty terrible, but pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Bray Trarrett. Howdy! That sounds a little more Texas. Ego. <laughs> hey y'all! Howdy, y'all. Oh, God. I'm going to rope these players in. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. Great. We've got an outro again. This is perfect. Uh- <laughs> I was not singing, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. I listened to that today. Oh, my God. We have I a just, new. Uh, <laughs> I was crying afterwards. It was so funny. It was so terrible. I know. That's what I was like, tears. I have tears. <laughs> it was funny. Oh, my, oh God. my gosh.